It's three o'clock somewhere. Time for a My Mochi ice cream snack. My Mochi ice cream is cool, creamy scoops of premium ice cream wrapped in sweet, pillowy dough. And get this. All of My Mochi's fabulous flavors, like strawberry, mango, double chocolate, and cookies and cream, are only around 80 calories per piece. Talk about a guilt-free, indulgent experience. Each box of My Mochi ice cream has six perfectly portioned, gluten-free mochis that are great for grab-and-go. So feel good while curbing your afternoon cravings, or the midnight munchies, yeah, You know who you are with the joyfully chill sensation of My Mochi ice cream. Find My Mochi ice cream at Target or visit MyMochi.com to locate a grocery store near you. From CBS News, this is The Takeout with Major Garrett. Welcome to your Tuesday Takeout Outtake Especial. I'm Major Garrett having uh, one of the great privileges of my life, uh, no uh, exaggeration to be in the magnificent library here in uh, Flint Hill, Virginia, of a great writer, a great American filmmaker, uh, Ron Maxwell, creator of Gettysburg, Gods and Generals, Copperhead. Um, I want to continue our conversation about not only Gettysburg, but the body of work you've done. And before we got this whole thing started, you said to me that being a Civil War filmmaker is a full contact sport. Um, I think I know what you mean, but I want our audience to get a sense of what you mean by that and why this feels fraught and maybe ought not to be fraught. Well, we're living in a very extremely politicized and polarized moment. Uh, This happens Mm -hmm. from time to time. It's happened before. Different societies. Uh, I I was recently uh, in China on a project I was hired to write and um, on uh, on a empress in the third century our calendar and they have a different calendar in China but I was impressed while I was there because the Chinese government was spending tens of billions of dollars putting back all the stuff that had been destroyed in the cultural revolution because in the cultural revolution that happened in the 60s the uh, anything that had to do with the oppression of the workers anything that had to do with emperors anything that had to do with the the the, uh, the evil of the pr- of all the prior generations, which they were considered these were evil people, was erased. They were was erased, destroyed, uh, uh, and now what we have, we see the Chinese people. Uh, they say, I don't care if this particular emperor did this or that empress did this or this general did that. It's our story. It's our ancestors. It's our heritage. We want it all back. Uh, societies go through this. What happens is uh, there's a, a, a German philosopher, his name is Herder, who said that every generation thinks that they're the center of the universe and better than all the generations who came before. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's kind of a, 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 hu- a flaw in our human character. So our generation is no different. We think we're the best, we're more moral, we're more ethical, we're more enlightened than all the generations who lived before. Of course, it's patent nonsense because generations from now, they'll look back at us and say, look at those people. They wrecked the planet. They killed all the wildlife. They, they allowed global warming. Uh, they had civil wars. Uh, they won't look so kindly on our generation. But this is the arrogance of the human spirit. So in our particular moment, there's some of us, not all of us, who decide we should tear everything down. Uh, they were they were they were nothing more than slave owners. The founding generation, They're, every every human being that lived before us is reduced to to kind of the worst components instead of looking at the total human being. But this this moment will pass. It happened in eighteen uh, seventeen ninety three during the French Revolution. Uh, churches were smashed. Stained glass, I- I- irreplaceable stained glass, was smashed. 
the kings of France were disinterred from their graves and their bones scattered. It's a kind of a, a, a fever that comes over from time to time on people, and then it passes. And, Ron, some of my audience would say, I hear you. Uh, that's a very articulate rendering of the human condition. But nevertheless, a Confederate battle flag makes me feel afraid. It makes me feel threatened. And anyone who celebrates that makes me feel less comfortable than I ought to feel in my own country. Well, it's very true. And, uh, and I, I wrote an essay on this. It's, it's, it's on my website. Uh, how we have to be sensitive to everyone's feelings. It's very important that we respect one another. We understand that some symbols, uh, not just African Americans, but, but many Americans generically are offended by that symbol. By that symbol. Other people see it as a symbol of the battle flag of the Confederacy, of the nobility of, of soldiers who are fighting. Uh, they, they see it as an honorable symbol. Both both of those interpretations uh, need to, at some level, to be understood and uh, and and respected. Uh, uh, and so, uh, it, 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 we live in a moment now where certain symbols are just unquestionably provocative, and we have to understand that, and therefore not provoke people. Uh, but these things pass from decade to decade, and they change over time. Shelby Foote talked about the compromise, the psychological compromise that occurred after the Civil War, which is the South agreed grudgingly that keeping the Union together was better than dissolving it, and the North agreed grudgingly that those who fought on the Southern side were not all slave-owning racists and did so with a sense of honor and courage for something they believed in that was it in part informed by slavery, but not in totality. Is that the compromise as you see it, and does it still hold? And should it apply? Well, again, this is a real minefield. To get yes, into it is. Because people are so uh, are so hyped up on these subjects that if they hear the, the slightest thing that they don't, they don't agree with, they're, they're ready to attack somebody. <clears throat> in 1860s, when the American Civil War was fought... Slavery was ubiquitous in the entire world. The first country to abolish the slave trade was the United States of America under President Thomas Jefferson in 1807. The following year, the United Kingdom abolished the slave trade. Until then, the, until that point, the slave trade was legal uh, everywhere. Now, the rest of the world was practicing slavery. Consider this. Uh, the Civil War ended in 1865. The Emancipation Proclamation is 1863, as we said earlier. Slavery was still legal in Cuba until 1878. It was legal in Brazil until 1888. Millions and millions of, of people held in slavery. Those countries didn't have civil wars. It was ended after it was ended here. So uh, Kenya, the land where our President Obama's father was born, abolished slavery in 1905 in the 20th century. It was abolished in Saudi Arabia in 1962 and Mauritania in 1981. This is how pervasive slavery is in the world. It wasn't just happening in the southern states of the United States. That doesn't make it any better that it was practiced here. It was an abomination then. It's an abomination now. Even though slavery is illegal now in the entire world, finally, 
it's still practiced. Uh, UN estimates say between 20 and 40 million people are currently living under slavery now. To my mind, this should be our concern. We should be spending our time alleviating the suffering of these people who are held in bondage right now. I think that's a, a more pressing agenda than uh, beating up our, our, our ancestors who were absolutely mistaken. There's no question about it, and we fought a bloody civil war to resolve it. What they were doing 150 years ago matters. We need to study it. We need to understand it. But I think we need to focus on what's going on right now, the 20 to 40 million people who are held in bondage as we speak. That's the voice of Ron Maxwell, our very special guest. I'm Major Garrett. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again next week on The Takeout. New episodes of The Takeout are available Friday mornings wherever you get your podcasts. The Takeout is produced by Arden Farin, Katiana Krachenko, Jamie Benson, Sarah Cook, and Ellie Watson. CBSN production by Alex Zuckerman, Eric Susanen, and Grace Seegers. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Takeout Podcast. That's at Takeout Podcast. And for more, visit TakeoutPodcast.com. The Takeout is a production of CBS News Radio. If you like the takeout, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings wherever you get your podcasts. It was the biggest scandal in pop music. The stars of Milli Vanilli, the Grammy-winning multi-platinum R&B phenomenon, were exposed as frauds. But none of this was their idea. So whose idea was it? Enter German music producer Frank Farian. He saw the success of acts like Michael Jackson and Prince, and he wanted in, no matter the cost. So he devised the perfect pop heist. Two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? They couldn't sing. But Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's greatest controversies and takes a never-before-heard look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when the truth came out, Rob and Fab were the only ones who got burned. Looking back now, it's hard not to wonder, why did everyone blame them? and not the man pulling the strings. Follow Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.